If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It would not be Strictly Sports without some technical issues to start it, even on my final show ever here at FAU Owl Radio. And we have some special guests here to do it with me today. And first of all, thank you to all three of you for coming out today. It means a lot uh, doing the final show. We all started here together, and now uh, it is ending together. Uh, so we have, first of all, we have Sawyer Stoltz here with us today, J.P. Acosta, and Zach Weinberger all in here today in the FAU Owl Radio studios. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I, I'm doing pretty great. I'm, it's good to be back. Zach's is the one that doesn't work. So okay. JP's back. There we yeah. go. Okay, we figured How's it, out. it going? There we were we just go. testing it out. <laughs> I, I do want to say, though, I feel like there's like a class of people that came in around 2018. Yeah. That's like sports media people. They're going to do great things. And it's the four of us, other people I'm blanking on right now, but... It's cool to do final show. Congrats to you, graduating, whatever. You can't see Spider-Man No Way Home on Thursday oh like God. I'm going to, but it's all good. It's all good. Hey, I've already muted all the keywords on Twitter. I'm not getting any spoilers. Hey, man, we got the flunkies back together. Let's go. This is, is going to be a fun show, man. Let's go. Hey, this is going to be awesome. And, and listen, usually I have an outline for the show, what we're going to talk about, everything like that. I just said, let's spitball. We're going to talk about some stuff. While we were out there, we were talking about Tom Brady, and, and, and JP's sitting here. And of course, we're talking about Tom Brady. We got Audie L in the room, and whenever Audie L's here, Tom Brady comes up in discussion. We were just talking about him, though. Uh, JP, are are we 
the argument Adiel is presenting is, are you not calling him the goat, or are you just taking away from him a little bit? What's your stance on Tom Brady? My stance on Tom Brady is he is the greatest football player to play football. That's, I mean, what else can we really say about him at this point? He's 43 years old, and he's about to throw for 40-plus touchdowns again. This is insane production coming at his age. And at his age right now, he's looking stronger than he has. Like, he still has zip on those deep passes. Like, when you saw the touchdown to Mike Evans yesterday against the Bills, that's a corner route on a concept where the corner is sinking under the route. That should be an interception. But Brady is throwing it at such a great time and it's with such anticipation that it's like you can't beat him at this point. So, I mean, what else is there to say about him except – like it's like that meme from Breaking Bad where he's like he can't keep getting away with it. He he can't keep doing this. Eventually he has to slow down. But I don't know when that's going to be. Yeah. So uh, you know I think every time I've been on the show, it's always me crapping on Tom Brady. You know because yeah. I'm a Dolphins fan. But he's but I wanted him to win yesterday because against against the Bills. You know the, the Dolphins. The last time we were on the show, J- Jacob, I was complaining about the Dolphins and in the midst of their seven game losing streak. Well now they're like five six games winning. But like. Going back to Tom Brady, he is the greatest football player of all time, greatest quarterback of all time. I've never doubted that. Is he the most skilled quarterback to ever play at the, in the NFL? He's not, but it doesn't matter because every time I bring up that argument, I look like a fool for some reason, even though I'm spitting facts, whatever. But, again, if he wins an MVP, he'll be the oldest MVP in any sport, I think, I think is the, is the stat. Yeah. That's insane. Obviously, he's the greatest of all time. Whatever you want to talk about, oh, but he's been part of the great systems. It doesn't matter. He's really benefited from it. He, I, I feel like he's going to make another trip to the Super Bowl, possibly win. We'll see. Um, but he, he, what he's doing right now is amazing. Again, Tampa Bay, though, they're in a great spot. He has a lot of weapons, whether it be Gronk, Godwin, Evans. Um, I was going to say Antonio Brown, but, you know, th- he's probably not going to return to the there. team. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen there. But even still, like, the guys that are filling in, Brashad Perryman, all those kind of guys. Uh, Leonard Fournette is having a great season as well. Um, that Bucks team is really good, and obviously Tom Brady really good as well. Yeah, just just like what these guys are saying, it, it's hard to go against him. Like every year when he's in the league, you can never count him out because he's always in the conversation. Um, they do say that the father time is undefeated, so at some point we will see age catch up to him. Um, I think it's different in football rather than in basketball or let's say soccer, where the quarterback position is not as physically grueling as other sports. So I am curious to see how long he can last, obviously, because you're not getting banged up as a quarterback a lot, um, and your your risk to injury is decreased, whether than you're playing running back or wide receiver. It'll obviously be increased because you're getting hit a lot more. So it it, it, it is curious to see, but at some point we're not going to see the Tom Brady that we're seeing now. I just don't know when that point is. It is pretty scary. Uh, as Zach mentioned, they have a really good chance this year, and he's already set himself up as the standard he'll be the standard for a long time of the quarterback to beat the football player to beat um he's got seven of them he's got more than any franchise so um the bar is already set it's up to tom brady to decide how how far that bar rises and i think particularly at this age where he's at right now he's in a situation where zach you just named all his weapons that helps i mean you, the, the deception that they're able to do on that offensive side defenses don't know who to cover who to, to go after I mean, you have one of, what, seven, eight guys that you could go to on every single play. Uh, it's just crazy. But how about that game yesterday? Because they were up big, and towards the end, they started – I mean, the game was forced to go to overtime. That is not what the Bucks wanted or thought that would happen. Um, but I was I was sitting there with my friend. He's a Bucks fan. He says, they do this every week. 
Um, they get up big, second half, they kind of lay back. And JP, we were talking about this outside. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think the Buffs kind of press hard in the beginning and then lay off as the game goes to the end? Um, I think in terms of this game, Tampa, the way they play defense is they're going to come at you full force. They're going to try and blitz. They play a lot of bare front. Just, I mean, they're going to have five defensive linemen on the field. If you're going to have all those pass rushers on the field, that means you're limiting the amount of defensive backs that you have on the field. So it's automatically going to set up for big plays. They were able to limit those big plays in the first half, but then what the Bills adjusted to is on those RPOs where Josh Allen was throwing in the first half, which is what Tampa wanted him to do, he just started giving the ball off or he started keeping the ball. Josh Allen had 109 rushing yards, which is what I've wanted to see from Buffalo this entire season is use your 6'5", 240 quarterback in the run game. But that's really what happened in the second half. Buffalo made adjustments to run the ball, which is something that a lot of teams haven't had success against Tampa in. But what that's allowed them to do against Tampa Bay is when you start actually giving the ball off, it makes them think about what's going to happen next, where they can't be like, oh, it's going to automatically be a pass to Cole Beasley. It's, oh, you have to worry about the run. You have to worry about Josh Allen pulling it. Or you have to worry about about him throwing it. So it creates all these different, I guess, confusion for the Bucks defense, which really you want to do that to every defense, make them confused because that's really what defenders don't want to do. You don't want to play defense thinking. You want to just automatically react and go. Right. I think I, I think that I don't watch a lot of the games this year. I've been following too much, but I do know that when you're a defending champion, the next season uh, it can be iffy because there's two approaches you take when you're defending champions. You say, hey, guys, we're defending champion. For every team you play, it'll be the biggest game for them. So we have to come out hot every single time, not let off the gas, and play a whole 60 minutes of football if we're going to win every single game because everybody, it's going to be hard to match everybody's intensity because they're trying to get what we have, and that is the, the trophy. So, Or they say, guys, we're the, we're the defending champions. We don't have to go crazy every game. If we think we're going to lose some games, let's just relax. We know we're going to be in the playoffs. We don't care what seed we're in. We don't care about playoff position. We know that if we get there, we'll be fine. So – a lot of teams have different approaches. We have seen some pretty great NFL teams historically. When they win the trophy the next year, they look even better. I don't know if you can say that about the Bucks this year, but I just know that it's it, it, it must be very difficult for a team that is defending their title for to match the intensity of teams that they want what you have. And they might just be hungrier than you are certain nights, and you just can't match that energy because you've already done it. Right, and I think they're kind of closer to that because you look at their division, they don't really have anyone up, you know, going for that division crown. They know they kind of have that locked. And plus last year they went on their road to the Super Bowl, road against Washington. Not a tough game necessarily, but still on the road, on the road against New Orleans. Was it the best Drew Brees that you got? Whatever, but it's still on the road. Then you went to Lambeau and had to beat Rodgers there. And then you got the home game at the Super Bowl, which is obviously uh, definitely helps you to some degree. So – uh, what I wanted to talk about, though, was we were also talking about this out there. Is it better? Because I've, I've always followed the NFL. I watch Red Zone every week. And I almost find myself, even though the standings are so much closer this year, we have mo- most teams, if you look at the standings, they have some sort of case to say, hey, if we go 3-1, and 4-1, and 4-2, and two, whatever, over the next few weeks, we can make the playoffs. So it's almost, to me, I'm not even as interested. There's no – and I don't know why that is, but, uh, you know, you look at the Bills yesterday, they lose that game. They're not even in a playoff spot. And and going into this year, they were almost definitely going to win that division, according to all the critics. Now you have the Dolphins, who, Zach, like you said, we were sitting here a month ago. You're as depressed as I've ever seen you. 
And I'm sitting here <laughs> like, don't even say that the Dolphins have a chance to make the playoffs. And you guys were like floating the idea out there. I'm like, no way. And now they have a chance. This could actually happen. The Dolphins could actually slide in there. This team's been great. But what do you guys think about that point that the NFL, with the more parity that we've seen this year, it might be actually less interesting? You know, I, I don't know. Because I feel like for me, maybe it's because I have a team that is in the case of possibly making yeah, it. Yeah. I feel like the extra wild card spot that they have going on this year, it makes it a little bit interesting because you can have maybe a team that is not so great, uh, you know, kind of like what we saw with Washington last year, even though they won the division. What were they, like 7-9? and nine, They yeah. won the division. Yeah. I mean, I to me it's interesting. You know, the more playoff spots you can go around, I'd say go for it. I think Buffalo is, is in that last wild card spot as we speak right now. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, but I think the playoff spot is interesting. I just don't think they needed that last game, just kind of adding one more week to the schedule. I don't think that was really necessary because now you're changing a lot of personnel. You're changing the way, you know, kind of what we're seeing with, with the running backs. And I know that fantasy football people are probably not liking that idea, but it's just kind of what it needs to be. But listen, I mean, when it comes to the Dolphins, and they're 6-7 and seven right now, again, they were 1-7. and seven. Uh, Now they're 6-7. and seven. They have the Jets, okay, which, um, again, that, that should be a win. You have the Saints, Should and be. you know, even though Chris Sims likes to say that Taysom Hill is better than Tua, you know, that was the most obscene thing I've ever seen. Which, whatever. I mean, <laughs> you can have your that was so bad. listen. You can have your doubts about Tua, whatever. But I mean, Taysom Hill, really, whatever. You have you have the Saints, and then the Titans and Patriots. But you know, to me, the Bills were again, like you said, they were supposed to win this division single-handedly, and now you have the Patriots, who are just coming out, com- kind of coming out of nowhere. But again, it's Bill Belichick, so we, we should probably have seen him coming. I mean, you know, seen it coming. Um, and now they're nine and four. The Bills are losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars, nine to six. I mean, we're, hey, we should talk you, about JT, the Jaguars. I mean. We should talk about the Jaguars because they're they're kind of in you know deep you know S H I T right now, <laughs> okay? Because not just because they're two and ten or what are they two spicy and eleven, take. two and eleven. But I mean, their coaches. Well, it's are, not all that spicy. They're, their coaches are morons. Whatever. But the Bills. Okay, that there that was a spicy take that their coach is a moron. That you should write. Down. I mean, JP, please, please tell me if he's a moron or not. Yeah. Do we ha- do we have to do this today? Okay. Okay. So, talking about AFC first before I talk about whatever that team in Jacksonville does. So right now at the bottom of the AFC are the Bills and the Char- and the Colts. Both are seven and six. There are five teams in the AFC that are seven and six right now. The Chargers, the Browns, the Bengals, the Broncos, and the Colts. So that's five teams fighting for two spots, not to mention the Ravens are 8-5 and five in first place in the um, AFC North, but they've also both lost to the Bengals and the Browns once already. So I think it's really fun this year because a lot of teams are winning in a lot of different ways. You know, you see the Patriots who are winning with the ground game and they're winning with defense, and you see high-flying teams like the Bills who exclusively live and die through the passing game. You see teams like in the NFC, I think all the top five teams in the league are from the NFC. I mean, you have the Cardinals, so, the Packers, right. the Rams, yeah. the Bucks, and then the Cowboys, who they didn't even have to play good on offense this uh, this Sunday against uh, Washington. Their defense took over that game. Right. So it's really fun this year seeing how many teams win in so many different ways. And it's going to set up for a really fun final stretch of the playoffs because there's going to be a team in there that nobody wants to play. I think the 49ers are possibly that team that nobody's going to want to play because they can hit you in the mouth playing football, right. and they can also win with their pass rush. But, I mean, if we're going to talk about the freaking the 
All right. Take that too. <laughs> so, what does he even do? What does what does Urban Meyer even do? If he's if he doesn't micromanage, which is exactly the thing that told Urban Meyer to shot Khan. He was a micromanager. He was a control freak. That's what won him so many titles at Florida, at Ohio State. That's what made him win at every level in college football. If you physically can't do that because your doctor is telling you are dying because you're doing that, there's no reason for you to coach in the NFL. There's no reason for you to still be here while actively making this team worse than they were last year. And they won one freaking game last year. Like, I, as a fan, am more dead inside watching the team this year than we were last year. And last year we won one game at the beginning of the season. It's really – it's crazy because there's – no considerable, no considerable position that they've gotten better at this year, which is the biggest problem because you have you had 12 draft picks, you had all the cap space in the league, and you went and did nothing with it. You have a quarterback, and you managed to make the most unmessable quarterback to come out of the draft since maybe like Andrew Luck. You've managed to almost mess him up. There's no reason for him to be around, especially if. Nobody in the among the players, staff, or front office likes the dude. There's no reason for him to be around anymore. No, and, and I saw the quote. Sorry for it, but I, oh, you're I fine. saw this quote from Urban Meyer yesterday, and I'm sure JP saw it too. It said Urban Meyer on the answer to fixing the Jaguars. He said, "What's the answer? Start leaking information or some nonsense? That's garbage. If there's a source, that source is unemployed. I mean, within seconds." What are you even talking about? I hope the source is him. Yeah, like right? I, I kind of hope the source is just him. He's been leaking it himself. Like, hey, Urban Meyer's doing this really bad stuff. He just wants to leave. I think he's done. Yeah. I think he's been checked out since that first preseason game where he was just like, wow, this is a lot harder than I thought it would be. I've been checked out on Urban Meyer since the Chris Doyle situation. After that, I was like, okay, I see how this is going to go. Because he thinks he can run this like a college program. It's why you went and drafted the way you did. You drafted all these guys who weren't exactly great at football in college, but they were great athletes because you go and try and develop them into good football players without realizing this might be their peak. Like, this is their physical peak. So you try and run this NFL organization like a college program, and it doesn't work because you don't have the same personnel. You don't have the same players. These aren't 18 to 22-year-old kids. These are family men with salaries and, like, they don't have to do this. This is just a job. Like, they don't have to listen to you. They probably get paid more than you. Yep. So, it's just frustrating. I, I I have a take. Once again, I'm not – I don't have as much NFL knowledge or football strategy knowledge as these guys. But that can also give me a pretty good perspective because I'm looking at it from the outside in. Okay, from the outside in, there are three teams in Florida. There's one in Tampa Bay, and there's one in Miami, and then there's one in Jacksonville. Okay. What's wrong with the Jacksonville Jaguars? What can help the team? They move, honestly, because Jacksonville. Oh, hold, is on, hold on, hold on. Can I finish? Go can ahead, I finish? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I don't think Jacksonville is in. I don't think it's a very good venue. It's not a very well-known city. Uh, it's not a very publicized city. Um, and I think the general consensus on the team that's not being addressed, once again from the outside in, this is my unprofessional opinion. I have no knowledge. I can't name you one of their players. They probably, they probably don't like being in Jacksonville. Seriously. I wouldn't like being in Jacksonville. You know, if you're in Miami or New York or L.A. or there's so many big markets you can be in, Philly, Boston, there's so many big sports towns. Jacksonville's not a sports town, you know. Florida as a whole is not exactly like a pro, like, like pro, like, football state. 
Yeah, because it's not a mixed band. It's not like yeah. it's all for the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. So like that, that, that that's just my point of that could help the team, honestly. I don't know if that helped their production, but it would produce new excitement. Like, for instance, you look at the Oakland Raiders. They went to Las Vegas. They got the whole new beautiful stadium. I actually went there for my 21st birthday. I went to Las Vegas. Nice. Looked at that stadium. Gorgeous, beautiful stadium. So that just brought more excitement for the team. I know they're not that great this year, but – it's just something that can help because a change of scenery always helps. It always improves the vibes, improves the mood. So the general consensus on the team, they're not addressing it, but I'm sure they're, they just don't like being in Jacksonville, honestly. Well, is it, is it London, you know, then? Okay. You, know what, you know what helps being in Jacksonville? Winning football games. They haven't won football games at all in Shot Khan's tenure. Yeah. Outside of that one year in 2017, they've had the worst record in the past four seasons under that owner. In 2020, they had the second most people attend football games. Like, oh. behind Dallas. And that was during COVID-19. People still showed up to yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars football games. Shad Khan, I think he believes in the city of Jacksonville. It's why they went and built all the huge performance centers, the training centers. It's why Lot J was going to be a thing. It's why you go and get Urban Meyer to bring in tickets, yeah. to bring in all these people, to bring in hope that you can actually build something here by winning games. But you then realize if he can't micromanage or do anything – He's not a very good head coach, like, outside of doing that culture stuff. Like, he's not an X's and O's guy. So, I don't think the city of Jacksonville is the problem. We can't keep blaming the city of Jacksonville for the Jaguars' problems. The Jaguars' problems is they can't win football games, regardless of being head, head coach, general manager, lack of talent, all of it. Like, the organization is the problem, not the city, because the fans will ride or die for that city. They will ride or die for that team. They will show up to football games. They show up at pregames. They show up on social media. They are there. Like, if you go, you can say one bad thing about Jacksonville, Jaguars Twitter will be there. Like, it's crazy to me. But the biggest thing you can do to help the city of Jacksonville and to help the Jaguars is win. That's what that's what alleviates all the problems. This Urban Meyer stuff would not be a big deal if they won football games. Right. Lie to me all you want if you win, but they suck, and you can't lie to me <laughs> and also be bad at the same time. You you have to choose one. Yeah. And what's honestly what's beyond me is I mean everyone's going hard after Trevor. It's like how are you you know? Oh, don't get me why, started. Why are don't. we going hard after him? First of all. The receivers don't catch the balls, dude. I mean, he has the most drop passes. Is it still top it's, two? It's top one. Yeah. I mean, that's not Top fair. one. I mean, you get, oh, he's got a 50%. This guy's a bust. The guys don't catch the ball. The biggest problem is there's a lack of talent. There's a complete, like, there are two different offensive ideas going on. So Urban Meyer wants to run this spread run-heavy kind of offense that he ran well, at Ohio State James Robinson, and Florida. Yeah, because yeah. they don't want to give the best player the ball. Yeah. He was he was talking the other day, actually yesterday, about running the ball. And he says, like, yeah, we have to be better at running the ball. When you give your best player six carries a game, <laughs> that's not actually saying you want to run the ball. That's saying you want to run the ball with Carlos Hyde. And to that, I reply, what? Yeah. Carlos Hyde hasn't been a thing since 2016. Let's, let's get nip that in the bud right there. Don't do that anymore. Another problem is there's a lack of talent on this team offensively. If DJ Chark isn't healthy, they don't have a receiver who can separate or catch the ball. The offensive line has gotten really bad. I think Juwan Taylor and Cam Robinson are not very good pass protectors. They're really missing Brandon Linder, the center, who can't stay healthy. And Andrew Norwell, who's had 
his best year of his career this year, which is saying a lot. The past few games, he has been awful. And they really just haven't built anything offensively. They failed to build an infrastructure around your quarterback that you're bringing in year one, which is the biggest indictment of Urban Meyer, if anything. You You brought in the number one pick quarterback, and you failed to surround him with any talent. When you had 11 more draft picks, you had the most cap space in the league, and then you went and signed then you went and got a tackle at 45, and he right. doesn't even play football yeah, right now. And, Zach, you have something to say? When he was talking about how, you know, a coach bringing in a top quarterback in the draft, not surrounding him with talent, not putting him in the best situation, sounds kind of similar. But, I, I, listen, I know it's different, okay? The thing is, though, um, and I know I've seen people say, like, what if Tua was having these performances like Trevor Lawrence, right? And, I, again, I've seen that on Twitter because it's, dwelt, you know, Tua Anon and these kind of people, oh God, you know. I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh, yeah, oh yeah it's a thing oh now. Um, but, you know, obviously I think, it's, I think it's a valid thing to say. But also it's like you watch these games. I mean, one of the picks, he literally threw it at LaVisca Chanel and he bounced off his chest and it ended in an interception. That's obviously not on Trevor, okay? And the thing is, though, listen um, – I, it's not a problem. Like you, you look at a guy like Dan Campbell in Detroit. They're one eleven and one right now. Um, but it seems like that the players again. I have no sources or knowledge that the players like playing for him. They will run through a brick wall for him. They'll bite a kneecap off. We'll do, we'll do whatever. The dude, right? Is but that what he's put with, on his plaque? The dude. Some, yeah, something like that. Yeah. But with Urban Meyer, I mean, you how do you piss off a guy like Marvin Jones? Right. You know, like yeah, this veteran. this guy is insufferable, it seems like, to, to play with. And yeah. who's going to work with him? Um, and to me, it's not like, you know, you lose games, that's fine. You know, with a first-year head coach, you, you know, you give him more chances. There's no reason, like he said. I mean, Urban Meyer is not, is not just destroying this team on the roster. He's destroying it within. And I think that the longer you keep him here, the longer you destroy this team, you destroy uh, Trevor Lawrence. Some reason you're giving one of your – Arguably, maybe the best offensive player on the team with six carries. You're giving it to Carlos Hyde. Um, it's it's kind of uh, ridiculous, you know. And so, I mean, JP, I feel sorry for you. That's all. And uh, last word on this, JP, we'll move on. I just find it fascinating that Urban Myers managed to speed run the worst year I've ever seen as a Jaguars fan. And again, we literally won one game last year, and this year has somehow been so much worse. Just from all the off-field stuff, from Chris Doyle to Tim Tebow. We forget that he signed Tim Tebow. Yeah, I forgot about that. In the preseason. Oh, God. To to having a fake quarterback competition between Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew, which wasn't even a competition, to going out in week one and just dying against the Houston Texans, which really was an indictment on the season. That really should have been like – that was it. But, again, the biggest thing is they were coming off a bye. Since their bye week, they've scored, I think, 64 points. That is the fewest in the NFL by far. They came off the bye week winning. They won the game, then went into the bye, and then it just gotten worse. There's no reason for him to be around anymore. No, he's got to go. I completely agree with you guys. And uh, So now I want to play a little game. I don't know if anyone has a – I mean, I guess you could do it on your notes on your phone or something like that. I've got the schedules of these AFC teams up on my lap. Only the ones that I think are probably going to do – I'm not including the Broncos or the Raiders. If there's any ones of those fans – I just, I, Look, I man, see it with them. after the Raiders did what they did yesterday, yeah. I don't have any faith in that team. Yeah. They went out and just died. It's it's over for them. It's been like a gra- – ever since the Gruden thing, it's been a gradual, slow decline for them. And But, yeah, I mean, so do the Dolphins first. So they've got, as we said, we got the Jets and the Saints the next two weeks. 
They're starting at six and seven. So are, are we going to say they're eight and seven in two weeks? Is that is that kind of a consensus? I'll I'll go first because I'm obviously okay. I'm the least knowledgeable. So it looks like they got yeah they got Jets at home, then at Saints, at Titans, and then they're closing the season out with at home against the Patriots. I say they go they go two and two. Okay, and, and by the way, and Derrick Henry may or may not be there for that second to last Ooh, game, but we'll see. Okay, hey, JP Ashton. Oh, oh yeah, JP Ashton's coming. Um. I really do. I do want to say two and two, but I really do think this Saints game is going to be a bit rough for my Ooh, for Miami. Okay. I think the Saints play a style of defense that is not their their style of defense isn't going to help Miami's strengths at all. Which is the Saints have a bunch of game wreckers on their defensive front, and they're going to give that Miami offensive line some problems. So if it might end up being a low scoring game, but I'm gonna say one in three. Wow, one in three. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm I'm gonna go. Uh, well, the thing is, when it comes to that Patriots game to, to finish off the season, I don't know if they're like going to be sitting players by that time. I have no idea. If they aren't, I'm gonna say they go three and one. Okay. I think they're gonna win these next three games. <laughs> and if the Patriots lose, if the Patriots, excuse me, are healthy. Yeah. Uh, I think they lose against the Patriots at home. Uh, the, the Titans again. I don't know if Derrick Henry. I'm I'm thinking if Derrick Henry's not returning, I don't think Tannehill's that good. I think the Dolphins' defense has been playing uh, great so far. I think they're going to wreck him. Uh, Taysom Hill does not scare me at all. That defense does. That's the one thing. So I think it will be a low-scoring game. Uh, will be a big test for Tua. Monday Night Football. Uh, the last time we saw Tua in a primetime game, he he had a, a messed-up finger. He couldn't play. Jacoby Brissett. He sucked. Tua came in. He won the game. Whatever. But, you know, for the defense as well. Uh, don't Not scared about the Jets, not scared about the Saints, not scared about the Titans, the Patriots, obviously. This is a different Patriots team than what we've seen in week one. Uh, so, Well, I mean, I, right, I'm kind of in the boat. I'm deciding because I got JP over here saying, you know, one and three, very confidently. I got Zach over here saying three and one. I kind of agree with both of you on the Titans. Because the thing is, it's like it's just Tannehill. And the Titans lost some pretty bad games even with Derrick Henry. They had their flopper game. It's on the road. Tennessee's going to be going to South Florida. We know some teams, they come here, they party a little too hard. You know, they get that hand. Yeah, go to the beach, go down to the right, ocean. Yeah. Beach, yeah, they get all oh, the parties. Yeah. I don't know. It feels like a game they could drop. I'm going to go bowl. I'm going to go 3-1 and one for the Dolphins. So that game is in Tennessee. Oh, that's in totally Tennessee. Totally I think I, I think everything yeah. depends on oh, where. That's a lot different then. I think I think Tennessee is an interesting spot because yeah. because because what if what if uh, what if Henry's ready but they don't play him? See, that's the thing. There it depends on where they're at the next couple of weeks. I think right. for, for that Miami game that Derrick Henry could return either by the playoffs or by week seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, so, so that's the thing. I, I I think it depends on where they're at playoff wise because they could just give up. It depends on it depends on where they're at standing wise for that Miami game. If if they're still in the hunt and and Henry's healthy and they think they make deep playoff run, then I think they lose that game. However, if they lose these next two games and they play Miami Week 17 and they're in Miami and they're like, you know what, one, two, three, let's let, let's just be done, let's just go party, let's just go hang out, and they have nothing to play for, then it's a different story. Right. right. L- let me go a little bit more into these Miami games. I don't think like they're gonna blow out these teams. Let me just say that. Yeah, okay? yeah, of course. But when it comes to, I mean, the, the Jets, I think they they probably will, but you know, whatever. Uh, the Saints again, I think that's gonna be a low-scoring affair. I, but again, I I think that 
uh, that that defensive secondary, that, that whole defensive front, I think that's going to uh, kill Taysom Hill. You know, I, I don't think again the Taysom Hill thing. And I don't know, I, he has an injury though, so is he still on track or is it going to be Trevor Simeon? We'll I, see. I, I mean, it's two weeks away. As but well. either way, none of them scare me right. that much. Uh, it just to me, it's just that it's th- that RPO style offense from Miami. Is it sustainable? That is the question. To me, I think that is hurting Tua's development, but that's a whole discussion for another time. Uh, the Titans, I think that also will be a close game. I think they pull it out on, on the road. It's just that Patriots game. Again, that is a different team than what we saw in week one, yeah. where we beat them 17-13, to 13, I think. That is a different team. So, But, you know, who, who knows if they sit their players. But, again, I to me, these listen, the Dolphins, they, have, they, they lost to the – we were just talking about them. They lost to the Jaguars. Okay, they, they lost to the Falcons. Uh, yeah. I you know th- it's yeah. a different team, obviously, than what we've seen because the defense has been coming up big. But you know this, they, they need to play well. And can I rely on Brian Flores, who I was just crapping on earlier in the season on this very show? I don't know. But Chris Greer, his job is safe because of those first three picks last year. They're, do- they're doing great. Yeah, and that's another thing too. Sean Payton and Mike Vrabel over. Brian Flores, big deal. I would say, again, beware of Tennessee, man. Like I know they don't have Derrick Henry. I understand that. But their defense is still really good. They force teams to make a Can't lot of mistakes. They, yeah. they run a lot of good stunts and twists with Danico Autry and Jeffrey Simmons up front. Kevin Byard is a difference maker on the back end. And if A.J. Brown and Julio are both healthy, that's going to change that, that offense. I know it's a huge if, but still – Beware of Tennessee, and also, they might not have the division locked up by that time because Indy is still making a run. They, yeah. Indy still has Jacksonville, the Raiders. They have the Cardinals and the Patriots too. So that that division could come down to the wire, and the week before that last game of the season, Tennessee could still be needing to win those games. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking. I mean, let's move on to the Colts now because they're one of those teams. So they're yeah. seven and six. So they get the Patriots on Saturday. We're back to the Saturday night football now. The college football season's over. (laughs) Uh, So that's always fun. But Saturday night football, Patriots, Colts, at home for the Colts. Then they go on the road to Arizona, at home versus Vegas, and then on the road in Jacksonville to finish off the season. I think you got two wins in there. I think they go two and two, and they end up at nine and eight. I think it's pretty safe to say that. I, I agree. Uh, just I'll just start real quick. Two and two again. The Patriots they're they're in a roll here. Is in Indy, so maybe that may, that makes a little yeah, bit of helps. a difference. Yeah. Uh, I think that will be probably a closer game than usual. Uh, but again, I think it kind of goes on. How is Jonathan Taylor going to run this football? I mean, Jonathan Taylor has been. Uh, I mean, I would say arguably the best running back in football. I mean, I mean he's MVP lab. They're they're in their position because of him. No, absolutely. So we'll we'll, we'll see what what happens with him against the Patriots. But I still think they kind of the Patriots kind of squeak out of that one. Uh, the Cardinals are on a roll right now. Uh, do I trust them in the postseason? I don't know yet, but it's still the regular season. I think they get I think they get a dead at home. But then again, we were just talking about the Raiders, how they just got you know JP actually it's a funny tweet that JP uh, tweeted out yesterday. It's like you know Kansas City it, oh, Kansas City always kind of gets out of a funk. When they play the Raiders, <laughs> always, <laughs> and it seems like that happens, uh, and the Raiders just kind of stunk up the boat. And then again, you got the Jaguars to finish up the season. I, sh- I shouldn't even need to say more. So I agree, two and two. Yeah. Um. Right now, I'm thinking two and two, but that Arizona game is going to be really interesting Correct. because I love as much as I love Arizona's defense and what they can do, they have a big problem stopping the run, and I don't think they have the bot. They don't have the bodies up front, especially with JJ Watt out. They don't have the bodies up front to stop the run. If Indy can kind of lean on them in the run game and make it, like, absolutely suck to try and tackle Jonathan Taylor, that game could get really interesting. But 
I'm gonna go two and two for now. I really do not trust Carson Wentz still. Like, yeah, I I don't believe in him making like a significant like. I don't think you can like win games because of Carson Wentz. You can win games with him, but it's there's a difference. So right, like I said, when he when they signed him in Indianapolis, I said they just needed a, a better version of Philip Rivers because Philip Rivers just stood there and he was a system quarterback and. That's all you really need. You don't need Carson Wentz to be what he was in Philadelphia that one year. He just needs to be there, throw some deep passes, and be a system quarterback. But uh, what do you think, uh, Phyllis? Well, uh, from what I've heard from you guys, and once again, this this statement has no validity, but uh, I like to trust my gut. Uh, you can tweet this out once again, though, if you're crazy at home thinking I'm crazy. I'm going to go 4-0. Oh. The, Col- the Colts will go 4-0, but since the Titans have won both games against them this year, they will finish second in the division. They will not win the division, but they will go 4-0. Oh. Whoa. So that's 11 Mark and it six. down. 11-6, wow. and six, but then Tennessee will be 11-6, and six, and they will hold it because they've won both the games against Indianapolis. Spicy take? Yeah, spicy take. There we go. That is, there a, we go. That is a spicy take, man. <laughs> I, that's, that's crazy. Shout out my mom's friend, Beth, in Indianapolis. Root for you. I mean, <laughs> if you want to go off the deep end, you could say – New England, it's a home game. New England can't win every game. You say Arizona, they're coming off playing the Rams. They play the Rams tonight. I don't know who they play next week, but they're, you know, that's a tough schedule. Then you get the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders, whatever you want to say about them, Derek Carr picks his week sometimes, and sometimes he'll put up good numbers, and that's a trap game, it was, you know. And then Jacksonville, uh, I mean, it's Jacksonville. So I I don't know. You I'm sticking to it. it, could happen. I'm sticking to it. Wow. Just, ju- just from what I've heard from you guys. Just from what wow. I've heard from you guys. Wow. I mean, if you look at, I mean, I don't even know, man. I mean, it, it could totally happen, but there, you're really leaping at everything going right. But it could, it, I mean, you never know. I mean, the Colts are very good. I mean, I went into this season thinking, A, they would win the division, and B, every single year, one of the best offensive lines, one of the best linebacking cores, one of the best total defenses. They just never put it totally together to win in the playoffs. This felt like the year, then they started 0-4, and then I remember seeing Dan Orlovsky on ESPN saying, they're going to make the playoffs, and everyone thought he was crazy. I'm sitting there like, no, they really could. I mean, they still have the pieces, but say they're going to go 4-0, I mean, I think they could make the playoffs. I think they are going to make the playoffs, but that's a big jump. They're going to be the first – I don't know if this is true, but if they started 0-4, they'll be the first team ever to start 0-4 and then end 4-0. Wow. Wow. Bam. Oh. Bam. (laughs) Wow. All right, so we got the Buffalo Bills. They are 7-6 and six as well after the loss to Tampa. I don't think they're in that much danger, though. They, they get Carolina at home. Then they go on the road to New England. Then they host Atlanta, host the Jets. Optimistically, 3 and I mean, it's probably 3-1. and one. I'm thinking 3-1. and one. Yeah. That game, that game against the Patriots is going to be huge for both teams because that could ultimately like, decide who wins the division still because – the Bills swept the uh, they swept the Dolphins already, so that game could be huge in uh, division implications. But yeah, I'm gonna say three and one. I'm gonna say three and one as well because three of their last games at home, and three of the four teams that they're playing aren't really playing for anything. True. Yeah. So well, Atlanta kind well did Atlanta win Sunday? So they yes. are technically in the bad NFC. They are playing. But that will be in Week 17. So I just think by then they won't be playing for anything, and their three out of their four, four last games are at home, so I will agree with JP. I'll go 3-1. and one. I think the okay. Buffalo Bills are going to go 0-4, Dolphins win division. And, uh, <laughs> but no, but uh, it's unfortunately 3-1. and one. Uh, Panthers, you know, I remember when Cam Newton came back to the Panthers. Everybody was so excited. Everybody it was is so exciting. Ex- what, what, what's exciting? I, I like seeing it. 
What's exciting? I mean, I, again, I'm not a Panthers fan, so yeah, it, right. it probably is exciting. Yeah. But the guy stinks, uh, <laughs> and it's kind of showing that now. But you know, whatever. Um, oh, no, JC saying timeout, timeout. I mean, I, I, how can you? I don't know how you can debate it. But, but let me just finish this, and we can talk about yeah, it a little yeah, bit, yeah. maybe. Uh, again, Panthers. I think they wipe the floor with them. Uh, Patriots. At the end, uh, like JP said, that's gonna be, that's gonna be a huge game, not just in the division. That's in that's in Foxborough, it's in Gillette. Uh, that could be an interesting game. I think they lose that one, and then the Falcons and the Jets. I mean, need, need I say no more? That's at home. I think they do it. Uh, three and one for the Buffalo Bills. You will not take away my joy of seeing Cam Newton play in a Panthers uniform game. I don't <laughs> care if he's bad or not. I just enjoy seeing it, okay? Let me enjoy this. I loved it, too. I really did. I loved seeing him celebrate in that uniform again and how genuinely happy he looked. Some players, they kind of do it as like a ruse that they go back to their old team. He really enjoyed going back. That was really cool, and especially with the way that he left. And, you know, it ended so badly. All the fans still loved him, and it kind of wasn't a graceful end. But I'm at least glad that he went back there. I think that I, I think that he's that's a really good point. I, I think he's at the point where he, there's no pressure on him to win or lose. There's just pressure on him to perform at a high level and just try and don't do anything stupid and just interact with the fans the way he used to yeah. um, when he won the MVP and just just be be that guy again. Be be that consistent guy. Just play hard. I don't think anybody in Carolina expects him to do anything serious. But just 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 be that guy again. Be, be the guy that all the kids can root for. And it's definitely a feel good story when I heard about it. I, I'll take back. I was a little insensitive. <laughs> I did like when he threw two interceptions against Miami. Oh, I did like that. I like when he looked absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just, but seriously, uh, good for you know. I have I have a friend that that is a Panthers fan, huge Panthers fan. But even I asked him, like, you know, what do you think? Because I mean, we, uh, Brianna, we know from FAU, and she she was very excited. Uh, Jason Hewitt as well. Um, we were. I was talking to my friend. He said, "Oh, come on, Cam's back, isn't that great? Isn't that great?" He's like, he, "He's gonna suck." Uh, and I'm just like, "Listen, a Panthers fan saying that, I didn't really see. It. You saw a lot of excitement, but you know, it's good that he's in the locker room. I feel. I feel like you know, right now, because it seems like Matt Rule is on the hot seat. You know, and that's a whole big thing that's happening right now. There's some enjoyment, I guess, watching him. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what the enjoyment is watching him suck, but you know, um, again, all good, Cam. I support whatever. The Panthers' problems go far beyond Cam Newton, okay? They had he's sure, sure, okay, fine. But they do have the second worst offensive line in the league. Their head coach Miami. Oh boy. What did he say? They have the second worst offensive line in the league behind Miami. Um their offensive coordinator was just fired by the head coach for not running the ball enough even though Chris McCaffrey was gone for like half the season. Yeah. Nobody knows what's going on with Carolina on offense. It seems like Matt Rule really doesn't want Cam Newton because of the way he keeps rotating back and forth between PJ Walker and Cam Newton PJ even though Walker, like PJ Walker in that great. So the Panthers problems extend far beyond Cam Newton. May, he might not be helping, but also we this is this is bound to happen. Cam was going to come back and then all the problems going to get blamed on him. And I just, I do yeah. not appreciate it. Let let my man's live. He He's Superman, Super Cam, Super Cam's back. Let, just leave him alone. Let him go out the rest of the season. He's looking more like Bizarro Superman now, but, you know, oh, all good. No, but no. seriously, I agree, though. Again, Zach is on fire today. And I, no, I, w- I will say, though, again, obviously, it's more than Cam. You know, the team that just stinks all around, it seems like. I mean, this is a team in the beginning. People were talking about possibly a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when Sam Darnold. Remember Sam Darnold, guys? Stop talking about it. We're done. <laughs> yeah, well, let's move I'm on. Done. I'm so done with Sam Darnold. But, uh, okay. Now we got the Ohio teams. We got Cleveland and Cincinnati. Cleveland at seven and six. They get the Raiders at home, on the road to Green Bay, 
on the road to Pittsburgh, and then they finish at home against Cincinnati. This may be the most difficult one because, like, I, you can go through every game here. I mean, the Raiders, like I said, they're a trap team. Some weeks they put it on, some weeks they don't. Hunter Renfro the last five, six weeks has been insane. Josh Jacobs gets his touchdowns. They have Kenyon Drake if he's healthy. They can mix it together sometimes. They're a 500 football team. That's what 500 teams do. But the Browns are too. Now, I understand the Browns didn't have all their guys, but I've been on Baker ever since the Texans game because the Texans game, they played them, and I said that week, I was like, I forget what the stat line is now. It's six, seven weeks ago, whatever it was. When you put up the numbers that he did against the Houston Texans, like that's the game where you're supposed to ball out, throw three, four touchdowns, get your yards. And when I saw that, I'm like, I don't know if he can do this. And now they're seven and six. They barely beat Baltimore yesterday. After Huntley comes in the game, you say, okay, they can wrap this up. But Huntley plays incredibly well. They barely win that game. And now I look at it and I say, what are they going to do? Because they're definitely going to lose to Green Bay. I don't think they have any shot going to Lambeau and beating Aaron Rodgers. So bare minimum, you're at seven losses. But then I look at these other three. Let's just give them the Raider win. In my mind, at least, I'm just going to give it to them just to give it to them. So now one and one. I think they will beat the Steelers. I think, but it's like this is one of Big Ben's final games. It's at Heinz Field. Does he want revenge for the playoffs last year? So you have all these storylines with that game. Does Baker live up to pressure? I don't know. And then the Bengals' final week, I think the Bengals win that game. I really do. I, I don't know what – you know, it might be a little wild to say that. Spicy take. Say the <laughs> Bengals are going to win that week. I don't know. I, I don't even have a record. What I'm, 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 so, go ahead. I'm sorry, because you're the Bengals fan, and now and finish in with – Mine's Bengals really quick. Mine's really oh, go for it. Oh, I'll okay, go okay. first. Mine's okay. really quick. Two okay. reasons. A, I'm from Cincinnati, so I don't like Cleveland to begin with. <laughs> I think they're going to go one and three. Okay. They will lose the first three games, but they will beat the Bengals. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Two reasons. A, they're at home, and wow. B, Cleveland always beats us. So uh, I will go with that. And uh, – I would say because Steelers for two reasons. A, they're at home, and B, it is Big Ben's last game. and That's a pretty big rivalry as well. So he's going to play probably his best game of the season, I think, that game, um, because it's against uh, Cleveland, who's a big, big-time big rival. Cleveland, everybody in that kind of like Ravens, Cleveland, Cincinnati, and um, Pittsburgh, they're like a huge rivalry. They always take turns. So one and three for Cleveland. So I'm not, I'm going to agree, but I think that they they win the game against the Raiders, uh, and then the rest are losses. I, again, I don't think they go in Lambeau and upset the Packers. No I way. don't see that no happening. Shot. They don't have a Jakeem Grant, so they can get some three points like what happened last night. Uh, when it comes to the Bengals, listen, I mean, I know he's a Bengals fan. You got to like what Joe Bur- Burrow is doing this year, Sawyer. I mean, they've been Joe balling, Burrow. even though I think they're a little overrated. But still, I think again, Joe Burrow is balling, so I think they lose that. I think they lose in Hines, uh, and it seems like that's going to be a night game as well. Prime yeah, time, all is. eyes on Baker. Yeah. Uh, when Big Ben's been in that game before, again, I do think they beat the Raiders. But so one in three, and I actually, I mean, I always root for the Browns just because they're the Browns. I mean, you feel sorry for them. Yeah. Um, but again, I think they, I think they go one in three, and you know, I think a lot of eyes are going to be on the Browns. I think they're going to be like, oh, is Baker the guy? There are a lot of questions going into the offseason, even though it's been that you know so far. Um, so one and three, I think they beat the Raiders and lose the next three to finish off the season. JP, is it one year of glory for Cleveland? Oh man, I really do not know what to think of this Cleveland team. Like, I think their run game right now is third in Football Outsiders DVOA, but they're near the bottom of the league in passing, which checks out because Baker Mayfield, when he hasn't been hurt, he hasn't been very good. Yep. 
their passing game hasn't been very good because they have nobody who can consistently win one-on-one. Jarvis Landry just had his first touchdown catch since 2019, like la- like on Sunday. So I really do not know what to think about this Cleveland team. I think they beat the Raiders. Um, they're definitely losing to the Packers. I, I don't think they stand a chance. But this Steelers game is really the one that's kind of tripping me up. I think they lose to the Bengals. But this Steelers game is really going to be interesting because on one hand, I do understand the Heinz Field, Big Ben's possible last game there. I understand the sentimentality of it. But also, Big Ben is cooked. Like, he is (laughs) not good. He cannot throw the ball downfield anymore. They rely on the superhero plays by Chase Claypool. And also, their run game has not, on defense, has not been very good. Dalvin Cook had 200 yards running the ball on them. Great for my fantasy I just think that game, it's just going to be its going to be hard for Baker to produce. That place is going to be going ballistic, like ballistic. So I, I just don't think he could rise to that moment, whereas I think Ben, he will rise to that moment. He'll find something. Like, they're just going to find a way. They, they kind of do this all the time, like late in the season. They, they just find a way to win games, I think, historically, Pittsburgh. Like, last three games of the season, they, they just they find a way to win the games. So yeah. I'm going to go 2-2 two and two with Ooh. the losses to the Packers and the Bengals. I think they'll beat the Steelers. Okay. All right, so we got that. Now we look at the Bengals, and this is where it gets really compelling because they go on the road to Broncos. I think they win that game. Then they play Baltimore at home the day after Christmas. Is Lamar going to play? That's a really big linchpin here because if Lamar plays, I don't think they win. Uh, and then you play the Chiefs at home. That's a loss. And then you play the Browns, which we all pretty much agree, uh, except for Sawyer, that Cincinnati is going to win that game. So if I'm going to go – if Lamar plays – they go three and one. If he doesn't play, they go four and zero. Oh. Ooh, I like so it. I'm going to go three and one, even if Lamar plays. I think Ooh. I think they're going to beat the Ravens, and oh, the wow. main reason is because who's left on that defense, man? Uh, there is nobody yeah. healthy for this team, and I kind of feel bad for Baltimore at this point because you could tell they're running out of gas at this point. You can tell in the Cleveland game, like they're literally trying everything. But you can't really run the ball when you have a skeleton offensive line, a skeleton running back, and Lamar's hurt, so there's no run game. There's no passing game if Lamar's out. And even with Lamar in the game, you can tell that teams are just going to be like, okay, we're just going to blitz you. And he can't really do anything because that offensive line is not good at all. I think, of course, they're going to lose to the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs right now are playing the best football in the AFC. Um... I think the Broncos is going to be a really tough game for them, especially because the Broncos do what the Bengals really can't do, and like the Bengals can't tackle at the second level. Like they really, their linebacker group is not very good. Shout out to Trey Hendrickson, though. Shout out Trey Hendrickson. But if the Broncos can lean on them and like force them to try and make tackles in the run game, it could get really bad. But I'm just I'm gonna lean on the Bengals' offense. I think that offense is good. I think they've found a way to kind of mesh between their under center run game and Joe Burrow being Joe Burrow. So I'm gonna say three and one. Good stuff. Good stuff. I'm also I'm also gonna go three and one. I will say that the game to look out for is against the Broncos. I don't think that's gonna be an easy one at all for the for the Bengals. Yeah. It seems like the Broncos always find a way to kind of. Keep these really good teams at bay. They did that obviously with Dallas earlier in the season. They did it with the Chargers too. And the Chargers as yeah. well. So I think the Bengals will be no different. Uh, but I do think they squeak by. 
Uh, same thing with the Ravens, kind of the same sentiments I have uh, that JP did, just that defense for the Ravens uh, scares me, and I don't think they can stop the Bengals. Uh, Browns, I already said they're going to win, and I, I don't think there's much needs to be said about against the Chiefs. The Chiefs are uh, they're locked in now. We, we, this is a different team again. We saw kind of earlier in the season. This is back to that Super Bowl uh, level team. Uh, so I, I though again three and one for the Bengals. Uh, you know Joe Burrow, they're sitting pretty. Sawyer's happy, even though they think he thinks they're losing to the Browns. But you know, I'll yeah. And then yeah, I'm gonna go three and one. Uh, they they somehow in overtime win off of like a like a fingertipped interception in overtime. They beat the Chiefs. And I just think the last game of the season, they're just going to lose to Cleveland. So they, they win <laughs> they win these next three games, and then they somehow lose they're to Cleveland. you up with the hope, and then bam, yeah, so three failure and one. in the last Three game. and one. So th- that's our first unanimous. We all said three and one. Hey, yeah. I mean, so if, the, if this is the case, I mean, I'm looking at the standings, and those final two teams to us, the Bills are in, and then that final team is between Colts, Cincinnati, and Miami. From what we were saying, Colts, Cincinnati, Miami. I think it would be Cincinnati. I, I think it'd be Colts. I think I had him going four and zero, so it has to be that's Colts. Right. So for you, it's <laughs> it Colts. has to be. I would say the Chargers still have they have to play the Chiefs on Thursday, then they play the Broncos, oh. but they also have the Texans and the Raiders. So as easily as they could go four and zero, they could easily go two and two. Yeah, no, that's true. So and the Ravens could, too. I mean, eight and five. Yeah, right? if the Ravens yeah. lose any of those games to the Browns or the Bengals, they could fall into the wild card spot. Oh, so gosh. that's the thing about the AFC, like. If you lose a game, you could go from first place in your division to outside of the playoffs. The Bills did it. The Bills have done it for the past three weeks. They yeah. went from being a, a title contender to you might not make the playoffs, which is wild for the AFC. But the NFC is very chalk at this point. Um, you have the the Cardinals, who are obviously going to be the number one seed. You got the Buccaneers. The um, I think in the AFC North or NFC North, you have the Packers, and then the Cowboys. They're going to win the division. The Rams are going to get a playoff spot. Um, and at that point, you got a whole bunch of six and seven teams. Like right now, the ha- the uh, Falcons are in the playoffs. It's They're six and weird. seven, and they have a point differential of minus one oh eight. Somehow, what is dead may never die. They are the undead team walking into the playoffs. I don't know how, but more power to them. No, actually, right now it's they, they have Washington in the seven. That's weird. Well, I have to ask you guys a question because okay. it's not coming under the top of my head. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if okay. the Dolphins happen to win out, 4-0, yep. are they locked in or is it, does stuff still need to happen? Well, yeah, if they win, yeah, right? If they, they win out, are they locked wins. in the playoffs? Does 10 get you in? I, I mean, it's funny because they had 10 last season and didn't get in. Right. <laughs> so, like, that, that obviously scares a lot of Dolphins fans. But I, I, yeah. I'm trying to see if, like, do they control their own destiny? And if with the 17th game, 10 wins is also different now. Right. So, yeah. I, I don't think so because they still they still need a lot of help because of that right. bad start they got off to. I mean, getting swept by the Bills early in the season doesn't help. Yep. Losing those games to the Falcons and the Jaguars don't help at all. So they're gonna need help, but ten wins, it might. But you also have to think the Chargers are right now at eight and five, so they only need two more wins, and they have the Texans and the Raiders still left on the schedule. So. You never really know. I mean, you have you have the Chargers and the Chiefs. They'll get the 10 wins. You have the Patriots are going to get the 10 wins. The Titans will get the 10. Then Dolphins, Colts, Bills, Browns, and Bengals. And, I mean, even the Broncos. Yeah. We don't know. We don't, yeah, so we really there's going to be legit like six teams fighting for three spots. 
So it could get really weird in the AFC. I think the NFC right now is very chalk. I mean, those top five teams, the Rams, Cowboys, Bucks, Packers, and Cardinals, those are probably the top five best teams in football in whatever order you want to put them in. Um, then you got the Niners, who nobody's going to want to play once yeah. we get to the postseason. Um, Washington right now really scares me because if Heineke isn't, like, going completely Super Saiyan on third and fourth down, that team isn't good on offense. Yeah, but they're, they're really not that great. Look at the teams behind them. They got Philly, Minnesota, Atlanta, New Orleans, Carolina. Seattle somehow is still in this. And Philly has probably the easiest schedule left. Like, hold on. Let me check that real quick. I've, I'm yeah, pretty sure the Philly Vikings, has The Vikings get the Rams and the and the Packers, so they're probably They're done. probably cooked. But yeah. the Eagles have Washington at home, the Giants at home, Washington in Washington, and then Dallas at home oh, in the yeah. last game of the season. Yeah. And we, that last game, Washington. they're probably going to be rested by then. Because Dallas, Dallas will probably yeah. have the playoff spot. Yeah. So the Eagles could sneak into that backdoor spot in the playoff, which is really weird because the Eagles have not been good. No. They're like not they're not, they're not good. Atlanta could get into the playoffs. We don't know with the bottom part of the NFC, but yeah. that's what makes the playoffs great, man. We don't know which teams are going to get in. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, uh, we do have a little extra time today. I just checked outside. We don't have the one o'clock people here. I know Sawyer wanted to do a little NBA though. We got to just just a little bit so I can drive the conversation. Okay. No, also, a little bit FAU football. A little oh bit, yeah, if we okay. could. Yes, that's actually very fair. Okay, so. Season didn't end great. Uh, I went on my little thing. Now, it's it, I'm still, like, in the middle on it because I said I don't know if Willie Taggart's the guy yeah. moving forward. I love him as a recruiter. This weekend, he's recruiting a ton of people. I just think, is the image going to start being out there that players come to FAU and they don't develop? Because Kofi Perry came there this year. His stock didn't really rise. He kind of got worse, honestly, in the views of probably most people. Who are you know, they they get some draft picks in the NFL. That's not well. That's kind of off track. But bottom line is, are players going to say, okay, he might recruit me here as a really nice guy, but am I going to get better as a player? That's kind of what I'm concerned with because the team just went backwards. So that that's that's the conversation with, with FAU football, Willie Taggart, because right, because the year the, the season after this next one, we're going to the AAC. Do you want Willie Taggart to be the head coach of this football team? A lot of people will say no. We saw what happened this season. You end off in a four-game losing streak. You check Twitter, hashtag fire tagger. It's all, yeah, over, the, it's all yeah. over the place. Recency bias, too. That is also true. Yeah. And also, when it comes to these reactionary fans of every team, you're always going to have that. Because uh, just kind of talking a little bit, <clears throat> we saw that hashtag fire flow for the Dolphins, and now there's none of that. Yeah. So it, it, whatever. So here's the thing. I think that I, I don't blame people that want him out there. This team uh, – has gotten worse since that COVID season, and that, that that's a problem. Yeah, because that that that's that's the excuse that we kind of given him for, for for Taggart. But here's the thing: um, no one is saying that he is a bad guy. Every right. time I talk to him, awesome guy, no question. Can he coach? I think he can. But here's the thing: this next season, it's 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 boomer bust. I think this season is going to be he's gonna, he's on the hot seat right now. If this team does not show a lick of improvement. I, I don't see why you continue with him going into the AAC. He is known for his offensive prowess. We have not seen that here. Nikosi Perry, like you said, he was great in the beginning of the season, pedestrian the rest of the way. The thing is, though, I don't I don't think enough people are blaming their their baby boy Lane Kiffin. 
Now, here's the thing about oh, Lane yeah. Kiffin. He did not leave the team good. He left them high and dry with recruiting, and I'm not going to totally blame that on on FAU. You look at the receivers. No no, uh, no blame, no you know insults to LeJonte Webster, to Jaquan Bird, and to those kind of guys. But they're not the receivers you need on this team. They're not showing up. We saw the drop passes against Marshall. We saw the drop passes throughout the season. Uh, it, I'm not saying it's all, you know, I'm not saying it's all Taggart. I'm not saying it's all Nikosi. But there's a lot of blame that's going around. There needs to be there needs to be some changes to this team, whether it comes to co- coaching. But you look you look at what's happening today. You look at yesterday. I mean, you know, Taggart was recruiting. We know he's good with recruiting. Yeah. You, know, you know he can get those guys from FSU from those big schools, get them over here, and, and they can play football. Um, but we'll see. You know, this next season again, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna kind of dictate what the job is like for the head coaching job. Uh, is Willie Taggart gonna be here? I'm I'm rooting for him. That's the thing. Um, but again, it's like you know, you've seen my articles. People say I'm, I'm really, I'm really harsh on this team. But like, I'm not gonna be nice. I mean, they, they haven't shown me that I should be nice to this team. Yeah, you gotta play it straight. Y- exactly. That is a quote of quotes. They have not given me a reason to be nice, so I'm, I'm not gonna be nice. <laughs> have that. I mean, people always say, you know, I, I have, I have a friend, you know, and then they're just like, I think you're really harsh on this team. I same thing with the basketball team. But we're, 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 I, I, I have, a, I have a question for the know. listeners that don't know. Yeah. You said that they're going to the AAC. The AAC. This is when? This is going to be the season after this next So the season of 2023-2024? Correct. Yeah, cause Interesting. The I didn't know that. Yeah, no, they are. Yeah, they're moving to the AAC. And, but the caveat to it is that UCF, Houston. Uh, they're all going up? They're, yeah, they're moving up to the big 12. I think it, there's two other two, BYU and then. Cincinnati. Cincinnati, that's it. Yeah, so, so they're all leaving. So Houston's staying? No, Houston's also Houston, Cincinnati, and who else? UCF. UCF and yeah. BYU. Wow. So, but yeah, the thing is, whether they're, they're interesting, whether they're going or not, us moving to the AAC is huge. You know, going up, we're moving on. Yeah, up. and not yeah. just us, Troy. We're moving with some of Conference USA, some of Sun Belt. That's what I figured. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it's a huge yeah. deal. And obviously, you know, with a guy like Willie Taggart, who again, if we see more of this regression, uh, what's it going to be? And to me, again, that COVID year, again, I will give that excuse to. I think there's a legitimate pass because everything was messed up that year. Uh, but you hope to improve on offense and defense. The defense wasn't the problem. I you know I I hate to kind of like repeat things that I always say, but literally in every preview article I've ever read, is that is I always ask these three questions: Is the offense going to start fast? Are they going to play throughout throughout the game? Are they going to limit penalties? Are they going to stop doing these self you know inflicting wounds? They have never done it. You know and that's right. the ki- that's the kind of thing that you, that you kind of think about. Is that coaching? I asked Tiger, well, what do you think that is? is? Is that mainly coaching? He says absolutely, but it's also on the players as well. And, and pe- well, people don't like to hear that because he thinks he's putting the blame somewhere else. The, he's not. Dro- he's not dropping solid. passes. Yeah. Whatever. But I, I, I could yeah. see why he. But he did say it's mainly coaching. That's what it is. The, the only thing I have to say about the AAC aspect in general is, I hope for FAU's sake, because I look at it like, what did they get promoted to the AAC for? For the Lane Kiffin era? Because since then. If they go into next season, they don't win the Conference USA championship, what did they get promoted for? They got Seriously. promoted because they are a Florida school, and if exactly. UCF is leaving, they need a Florida Have to be school. represented. Yeah, yeah, because you're not going to count on South Florida to be your, like, staple okay. Florida school yeah. in the conference. With our stadium and athletic complex. Yeah. yeah. So my thing with FAU football is I think Stephen Godfrey, who's on Split Zone Duo, College Football Reporter, he called it a year zero for COVID-19, a lot of first-year coaches who came in. I think Willie Taggart got a year zero with that. 
Um, I think, like with what Zach said, when you build the boat out of transfer portal, when it's time to go, they all go. So when Lane Kiffin left, all those transfers either graduated or transferred out. And now you're seeing what that problem is. That li- that left the roster really bare bones. So I think Willie's going to get another year. Of course he's going to get again another yeah. year. He got that year zero from COVID-19. But I do agree with saying the offense needs to show improvement, especially along the offensive line. I think that's been one of the biggest problems with why they can't start fast is because they can't block anybody. If you yeah. can't do anything up front, you're going to lose a lot of games. It doesn't matter if you have Nikosi Perry or Bryce Young back there. If you don't have an offensive line, you're not going to win games. So that's where the development needs to happen. And then we can talk about receivers and the passing game. But they have to be able to win up front. Yeah, and that makes me think, too, like, am I being too hard on Nikosi Perry? Because, I mean, he has receivers dropping passes. He's got an offensive line where he's got two seconds to think. So can you even blame him fully? Um, but – is he coming back? Does anyone any information on that? He so is? he has one year of eligibility left. Uh, you know, there hasn't been an official decision, but the the expectation is that he does come back and, okay. and, and finish it here. Uh, the one thing I will say is that you know, just just from the eye test, when when you watch him play, uh, you can tell he's rattled. That end of the season, yeah. he was very rattled. He was getting hit a lot, you know. And, and when when you're kind of making your progressions, you're going to your second or third read, he's getting hit. That that that's a problem. Obviously, you have Nick Weber coming back, our starting center. He's great. But you have to look at guys like Kamar Bell and Chaz Neal and Marquise Robinson, and the list goes on. Uh, that line needs to be better. Uh, you know, Coach Warner, the offensive line coach, a great guy. I talked to him before as well. He got, he's, he has to get that line going. Uh, when it comes to the running backs, you know, Johnny Ford, uh, I, I got a playmaker. I just don't think he's a three-down back because no. just because of his size. And, again, he has that sort of Albert Wilson mentality where, like, you know, you just got to just get the extra yards, man. Don't go – just just get those yards. Yeah, Don't got to go back. That's the Marshall game. He celebrated his big game and then fumbled. Yeah, and the thing is, again, like he's a playmaker, but, you know, you have you have running backs there that can also, you know, be great. Zabarius Mosley is a guy that I'm excited to see. And when it comes to the to, to the wide receiver, Edron is an o- another guy as well. So, again, this next season is going to be a big deal for the for the offense. The defense, Mike Stoops did a great job with, with the defense. Obviously, you're losing some guys like, you know, like Zion Gilbert, Correll Smith, and those kind of guys. But, again, uh, and Jordan Helm, you know, so – it's going to be interesting to see how they replace all these transfers, the how, the, you know, the guys that are going into the NFL, stuff like that. Um, it's going to be a big year, so so we'll see. Again, Willie Taggart, I think he's I think he's on the line here. Um, so, and and, I, and I'm rooting for him to succeed. But you know, again, I feel like again, any coach that succeeds Lane Kiffin, they're going to get a raw deal. It doesn't yeah. matter. I, so, never, I honestly, I'd never thought of it from that angle. So that's that. That's that's what I was gonna say. Is I agree with what JP said earlier about how Willie Taggart's not as hot. He's definitely gonna get some more time. What I'm curious to see is if if they give him enough time to at least see the first season of being in the AAC. Because when you have all three top dogs, you have Cincinnati, Houston, UCF leaving that conference. The only two teams in that conference that I think can be the top dog aside from FAU because this happens a lot in college football. When there's a totally new conference, you have no idea what's going to happen because these teams have not played each other on a consistent basis. They have no idea. They have no history. They have no vast review. They have no idea who they're playing. So the only two teams that have been consistent over the past few years in um, the AAC besides the teams that are leaving are SMU and Memphis. Those are the two teams that can actually do something and be top dog. So FAU is in a good position. Now, whether or not they move with Willie Taggart, we'll have to see. But I honestly think you have to just wait, and you just have to wait because, as Zach mentioned, that, that COVID year was really weird. 
So you almost have to take that year away. So he's still a very young coach here, as in as young as in you know like actually being part of the program. So I'm curious to see if they give him so much time to at least see the first season of being in the AAC because that's going to be a very very big deal. You don't and want FAU to go. could be one of those top dogs. Like I said, to me it's SMU and Memphis. Those are the only two teams. I don't believe in East Carolina. And then you got Tulsa, and then Navy. They'll have, uh, they'll have UAB from Conference USA, who goes up against us pretty well. But like, yeah. So the like, the, like the only that. teams that I'm scared of are SMU and Memphis. Those are the only two teams that are consistent enough and have the talent year in and year out to actually be top dogs. So yeah. it's gonna be exciting to watch. You really don't want to go into a new conference with instability. That's, That's the, the thing big too. thing. You yeah. don't want to go into a place where you you haven't been with instability at head coach. You don't know who you're gonna bring in. I would rather – I mean, I'd understand if, like, if FAU just bottoms out next year and they just completely hit rock bottom, then I'd understand it. But I think they make a bowl game, then yeah, yeah, just, right. just stick around with them. Yeah. No, I agree. I, this conversation always changed my mind about it because it's like you don't want to go into the AAC with a new head coach. You don't – it's a new system. What if Willie Taggart leads the team badly like Lane Kiffin did and you're dealing with that year one? You might want to just start the process now and get it going. And these recruits are awesome. I mean, he, we're getting four stars this week, and I don't know about all of them, but I know Zach, JP, you probably know somewhat about these recruits. No, no absolutely. I mean, listen, I, we every time we're we're in the part of the year now where I set the notifications on for Willie Taggart. You get a you get a nice little tweet nine thirty in the morning. Go Owls! You know right. something's about to go down. You know. So listen, I mean, we, we never doubted his uh, his recruiting ability, right? Um, but you know, I will say though, like you can tell right now though, when it comes to the early signing period and when it comes to you know just kind of getting in transfers, getting people from high school, um, he's doing a great job of doing that. He it seems like he is trying to set up the team for the future. You look at a guy like Evan Anderson. Uh, this guy's a freshman defensive tackle that performed out of his mind last year. This is a guy that's going to be here for so long, and it's going to be great to watch him play. Um, and, and just and just other guys as well. You know, whether it be Moultrie and, and the list goes on. Um, but it, it's cool to see, like, he looks at a guy like Evan Anderson, he knows that he's going to be an impact player. Uh, he definitely has a keen eye for playing, for, for, for players. Definitely a good recruit, but again, can, they, can he translate the coaching ability? And that's going to be the question. When it comes to making a bowl game, if it's going to be like this year again, where you're just possibly squeaking by in that last game to get a bowl game, I don't know if you feel comfortable with a guy like Willie Tatter going into the AAC again just by squeaking by on a three-game losing streak. Yeah. You, you, you get the win against Middle Tennessee, uh, which, I mean, they didn't at the end. But, like, I, I just don't know. So I think, again, like, I'm not saying he needs to be undefeated, ranked to, get, to keep his job. You, you just got to – you have to see progression. And we're there seeing nothing but progression. But, again, do you fire him over that? That's the thing. It's like, I don't know. I – this next season is definitely the most important season for FAU since Lane Kiffin's first year, I think. It's the most important. It, it is. Since I, Lane it Kiffin's is. first year when they when they won it, I think this is the most important year for them. I think if you don't see any development, especially on offense, then yeah, he's got he has to go. Yeah. But like I said, he got he got his year zero. I think for college football, I think every coach gets at least two to four years to get their recruits in. It speeds up now with the transfer portal, but you understand, like, two to four years to get your guys in, get your system in. Right. This is going to be year two. If we're not, if we're counting COVID as year zero, this is going to be the year two. If we're not counting COVID as a year zero, this is year three. This is the pivotal year. If you don't see any, devel any development, then, yeah, then it's time for him to go. Yeah. But you have to see that development from the offense. Yeah, we'll see. And who knows? I mean, looks like Nkosi Kerr is going to come back, but they also have Micah Johnson Jr., who – 
I mean, he looks pretty good. I saw him in the spring game. He's got a, he's a big guy, big arm. I don't know if he's going to start, uh, but they also have him as an option as well. Yeah, I, I just think for Michael Johnson, I, I think he's just still a very raw prospect, you yeah. know, because you, you saw a lot of fans last year wanting him to come in into these games. I'm like, I don't know if he wants it. I mean, <laughs> I, I just don't think he's ready. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. think he'll, I think he'll be great. You know, possibly in the future. But I think you got to ride with Kosey. You know, every time a a, tra- a a QB hits a transfer portal, you don't have to always say if he needs to get him. You know what I'm saying? Um, but you know, you, you do. He, it seems like Michael Johnson might get that backup role though, because again, Nick Trani, he's he's done with football. So we'll see him elevating to that spot again under Kosey. That's going to be interesting it to see. It seems like though they kind of want that mobile quarterback. Uh, yeah, they you, like to you know, to run and get exactly. But yeah. here's the thing with here's the thing with just a little bit of the coaching scheme that we saw with with FAU that I just didn't like seeing. Uh, he ran a lot of screens, and he didn't like seeing that, especially on third and long plays. Uh, he ran a lot of that. He really relied a lot on the run game. He really wanted the run game to work. Uh, but again, you have to get Kosey in, in rhythm. You know that's what they did so good in the beginning of the year. But if they were towards the end, it's again we saw him get rattled, not get into rhythm. Um, again, it's going to be a huge year. You know, I, I really can't stress that enough. And I will say, the question is, if FAU was not going to the AAC, would Taggart just get more time? Would he get yeah, those three, four years? Definitely. I think there's a lot more pressure now because yeah. of going to the AAC. You want to look good going into it. So we'll see. We will see. Okay, now, Taylor, the <laughs> NBA. Uh, okay, so I will openly admit I don't follow it anymore. I just don't. But At all? No, not really. Really? Wow. Yeah, wow. I just, I just well, th- this was a bad year for you not to follow, honestly. No, I know. It looks, listen, there's a lot of competition going on. I mean, Big I love seeing Milwaukee win the championship last year. That was awesome. I love Giannis. Probably the most humble player, I mean, in all sports. Is that a wild take? He, I mean, by far, he is. That is a wild take. I don't know if he's – I mean, he is humble, but he, he's still – He's not like Kawhi Leonard humble. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. When I think I of somebody humble, I think of somebody that's like stoic all the time, never shows emotion. But Giannis, he can joke around. You know, he can yeah. like smile and laugh. But he's definitely humble. He's definitely a really respectful guy. But I wouldn't call him the most humble player of all time. No, that's fair. That's fair. Well, but, I mean, wouldn't Kawhi just be quiet? Wouldn't that just be quiet? Well, that, yeah. that counts as being humble. But it also depends on how you answer certain questions. Like Giannis can sometimes joke with the media. I've never seen Kawhi joke with the media, you know? Well, Aside never... from, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> that's the only time I've seen him joke with the media, you know? That, it was just, that was a great oh, I've, I've, I've practiced it. I've been, been here a long time. <laughs> but, yeah, I had some questions, guys. I was going to ask you um, – I was just going to ask you who your favorites are for the NBA awards so far. Okay. First, like first third of the season we've seen so far. So I think the favorite for MVP right now has to be Nikola Jokic because, right, listen, right now he's leading that team in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. Who is the next? Who is the second best player on that team right now? Jamal Murray's not playing. Is it Aaron Gordon, Monty Morris, whatever is left of Jamichael Green? I. Right now, Nikola Jokic is putting up efficiency ratings that are through the roof while he is the first, second, and third scoring option for that team. And they're not and they're somehow still above water in the Western Conference. They're, they're not above water. They're right on the watermark. They're thirteen and thirteen. They would be so much worse when, without Nikola Jokic. So we're I talking agree with about that. most valuable like without Nikola Jokic. No, the, the, like Steph Curry's most he's the MVP. You, come I, on. I think Nikola Jokic. Jokic the MVP. Nikola Jokic it's not even close. The, Nikola Jokic should be the MVP. It's not even close. Off of it's like him, Durant, and then Jokic. It's not even close. Man, I don't know, man. Nikola I Jokic. agree that he is 
as, as far as he, he is definitely valuable to that team, and without him, there'd be no team. But the Warriors would still be good without Curry. They've done that in the past. Like he, I don't he know about this damn good. Well, no, they wouldn't. They wouldn't be this good. You're right about that. But but I just think that Jokic is taking advantage of. Jokic is a great player. He's he's won it before, but he's not the MVP this year. I mean, that's my entire argument. The Warriors without Steph Curry, I mean, they they wouldn't be this good. Yeah, but the Nuggets without Jokic would literally be one of the worst teams in the league right now. Again, yeah. he's leading the team in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. I mean, and he's fourth in the league in scoring with 26.5 points, second in the league in rebounds per game. He's so scored. It's not just leaving the Nuggets. But we all, we, we all know that it's not – we all know that the MVP is not an individual award. That's not how it's right. voted, you know. Right. That, that's not how it's voted, so it, it's it's probably going to go to um, Steph Curry. And now, also, rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. And also, quietly, Giannis is averaging 27, 12, and 6 right yeah, now. Yeah, but, he, but he's not going to win it again. I know, but yeah. I'm saying, like, quietly, Giannis is averaging 27, 12, and 6. I'm just telling you how people are going to vote, and people aren't going to vote Giannis again. Same way, like, LeBron and MJ, like, they, they were the most valuable player, like, basically every year. They didn't win it every year. You He's know? Also, it's the same thing. They didn't win it every year. Giannis is also on pace to average his career, his career high in blocks. So, like. No, you're right. But he, he might win. He, he'll probably win defensive player of the year again, but it's just going to depend on where they finish. Everybody knows that aside from in the past 10 years, the only player that won it that didn't have the, like, best first second record was Russell Westbrook. That's the only player that was not in first second place that won it in the past 10 years. Seriously. Everybody else had a crazy winning record. He was the only player because of the Oscar Robertson broken that record of having average triple double for the season, having like what was it, forty two triple doubles in a season? That was the only only person that's done it. So unless you're first second place, you're not gonna win it. Can I talk Curry, please? Okay. <laughs> um so <laughs> it's Curry. Uh it's Curry. Um he's he's gonna break the record for the most three point shots ever made. Uh, that's already enough for me. But again, it seems like. But you know, without without Curry, I don't think they're that great of a team at all. Actually, uh, I know we don't have Clay. James Wiseman's not even playing. But you know, uh, I think it's Curry. I, I think it's Curry all the way. Uh, Jokic does make a pretty good case, but I think that definitely it's, it's going to be Curry's year. I don't know if it's going to be unanimous. Uh, maybe, but I, I think it's going to be that. Uh, obviously, or or probably you know, um, PJ Tucker for MVP. That'll be good too. Um, <laughs> but, but also, um, defensive player of the year. Um, That's a good one. Uh, you got Draymond. You got Giannis. I was gonna say Draymond. You know, I Draymond's get Draymond's pretty good. But it, isn't Everyone's it, it isn't it great train. to see with like the Warriors back? Steph Curry really makes the team that much better. He really motivates the other guys. And and Draymond Green, one of those guys, where like you know, as much as I don't like Draymond Green, uh, he's, a, he's a hell of a defensive player, man. And he, he's always proved that throughout his entire career. Uh, I'm gonna just go through all the awards real quick, and then I want to hear everybody else has to say. Six Man of the Year. You know, we gotta go with our yeah, guy. You know, what I'm saying Tyler Harrow. Yep. Um, yeah. I've been saying this year, if he can be consistent in that scoring, uh, I think he's gonna get it. He has been. You know, I, I've been waiting for those for those stretch of games to be like, okay, he's gonna be in a slump. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm really excited to see Tyler Harrow kind of come into his own. We're seeing him one of the lead guys from Miami. Uh, that is awesome to see. Rookie of the year. I mean, it has to be uh, the guy from Cleveland. Has to be. Uh, I, I I agree. Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley. It's either him um, or Scotty Barnes. I'm, Scottie I'm a Toronto Barnes guy. Scotty Barnes the guy I was actually just thinking about as yeah. well. Um, I, I'm a Toronto guy. I'd love to say Scotty Barnes, but I do think Evan Mobley has been he has been more consistent, and yeah. he looks like to me he's like Chris Bosh and Dirk kind of put together. Okay. Um, I like him because he's one of the few big men that when they come into the league, he has not fallen in love with the three-pointer, and I'm a huge fan of that. 
and I think that's why Cleveland's actually they're they're doing pretty well right now. They're they're pretty winning basketball team. So I definitely think that Evan Mobley will win Rookie of the Year over well, Scotty. One question I do want to say I don't know if you can hear the lawnmower outside. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was looking I'm looking at this list of what people are saying for Defensive Player of the Year. I'm seeing Alex Caruso's name there. Is that a joke? Yes, or, or of is course. that they voted Defensive him. Player of the Year? If if it would have been up to the fans, Alex Russo would have been an all star two years ago. Yeah. By the way, him and yeah. uh, Taco Fall would have been all stars that year. I'm not advocating for Alex Caruso to win Defensive Player of the Year, <laughs> but he does lead the NBA in steals per game. That's all. That's all I'm gonna say. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's okay. all I'm gonna say. For Defensive Player of the Year, I'm still gonna say Giannis. I think he has been unbelievable on the defensive side of the ball again this year. Um, I for Rookie of the Year, I think it's Evan Mobley, and I honestly don't think it's close right now. He's seventh in the league in blocks per game and has 46 total blocks right now in oh 24 games. And it's so difficult getting blocked as a rookie because you have to understand, like, you don't just have to be tall and can jump. You have to time it up really right. And Evan Mobley's doing all of that and still being a good offensive, like, score for Cleveland, who's actually really good this mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Um, sixth man of the year, got to go Tyler Hero. I mean, I don't think there's – you could also make the argument for most improved player for Tyler Hero, but that's not the guy that I think is going to win most improved. If I had to choose most improved, I'm I'm going with uh, Anthony Edwards from Minnesota because this is this is probably kind of just a bias because Anthony Edwards is my favorite non-Heat player in the league, but the dude balls out every game. Like, but do you think he's that improved, though? Most improved, you have to, like, drastically increase. I think he's better than he was last year, but my two guys for most improved are Miles Bridges for Charlotte or DeJounte Murray for San Antonio. I would say Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole probably, honestly, is the most improved player. Like, he he is, but they're just not going to vote him because he's on Golden State. And they're not going to give all these awards to Golden State. You, you have three guys in Golden State competing for an award. MVP, Steph Curry, Draymond for defensive player. So nobody's going to remember that Jordan Poole's – I think, in me, he is the most improved player of the year, but Miles Bridges for Charlotte, he he has taken a drastic leap offensively and defensively. So definitely Miles Bridges won it. Him and LaMelo Ball, I think their nickname is Airbnb, which is such that's an good. epic nickname. Yeah, that is good. an epic that tandem good. nickname. They they have such a great like chemistry on the court where if the ball's going up, then you know Bridges is going to kick it and dunk it. But, again, I think it's going to be Anthony Edwards or Tyler Hero, the most improved player. Um, And what other awards are we missing? Coach of the year. That's just coach, coach of the year. Coach of the year. I'm going, I'm going with Spo, man. That one's okay. weird. It's the coach of the year this year is really weird. I think it's too, it's too early. I can't tell, I can't say yet. I I will say. I mean, if the season kind of continues the way it is, I think it's going to be Steve Kerr probably. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I definitely think that Spo should be in contention. You know, we'll see how Miami finishes off the season. Obviously, we're very early, right? Obviously, we're very early in these awards. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I mean, maybe they'll give it to Steve Nash. Maybe they'll give it to Unseld. I don't know. But I I think it's Kerr right now. I would also like to offer up. I just realized his name. J.B. Bickerstaff, head coach of the Cavaliers. Holy cow, I think if they continue at the pace that they're on right now, he should win coach of the year. Because if you look at that roster, we were going into the season, like, I don't know if Cleveland's going to be, like, I mean, it's Cleveland. contending it's Cleveland. for a playoffs. I think they'd be, like, a lottery team again. They're, like, in contention for the playoffs with, like, seven power forwards, but they somehow all mesh together well. And de- you're getting great play from Darius Garland, too. So if it continues like this, I think J.B. Bickerstaff has got to win. I honestly think the reason Cleveland's playing so well, and I hate to say this, but it's it's the truth, I think Colin Sexton getting injured helps them. 
which is really unfortunate because he was playing great out of Alabama. He was a really good player, and I think he tore his ACL. So he's, he's out for the season. But I think him not playing helps them. It's kind of similar to when, when Victor Oladipo came back from injury and Jeremy Lamb got injured. It helped Indiana because it gave him more minutes and he gets more touches. I think the guys on Cleveland are getting more touches because you had Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, who play the exact same way. It's just not good. It's kind of like with Boston. Boston, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum's obviously the guy. They need to do something about that dynamic. Same thing with Portland with C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard. It's just like you can't have two guys that are going to take all your shots. You have to – one of them has to be the guy. You can't have two guys that just don't know when to take turns. So I think that is helping Cleveland that they don't have Sexton anymore, which is unfortunate for him, which is why I think he will not be playing for Cleveland in the next couple of years because if they continue their success now, they're not going to need Colin Sexton. Right now, they're fifth in the Eastern Conference. Ahead of the still s- early. I know, it's still early, but they're ahead of the Sixers, Wizards. They're ahead of the Hawks, the Celtics. They're ahead of the Knicks, who made the playoffs last year. This is an yeah, insane yeah. And, and coaching job by J.D. They signed Kemba Walker, and he's on the bench now. Hey, man. I could go I, on a rant about that, hey man, they the have whole been, New York situation. They have been probably one of the most, if not the most, disappointing team so far this year. Wait, wait, who are I think the, the Cel- I think the Celtics is more disappointing. Here's the thing with the Knicks, okay? I mean, why are they disappointing? Bing bong, yeah. they're the Knicks, okay? I mean, I know last year was great, okay? Don't get me wrong, they were they were, they were riding on the street because of that one win they got. But you look at Spike Lee's face; it's gonna be the face you see every time. It's gonna be disappointment, okay? Because that's what the Knicks are. But here's the thing about um, but so so that's my thing with the Knicks. Uh, when it comes to the Celtics, I agree with what Sawyer said. Um. I do think not having Jalen Brown is a is, is a huge thing for them. I think that you know I feel like when Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are on the same floor, it seems like uh, them and then the head coach they, they're trying to figure out a way uh, to kind of make those two together. Because again, I think they're star players, you know. I but yeah. they have to find a way to kind of me- mesh those guys together. Um, but again, you know, kind of going back to these other teams, it, it's really interesting to see like these teams that we did not expect to kind of get into the forefront. Whether it be you know like the Wizards at one point, the Cavaliers. Uh, the, the, you know, the list goes on. So the NBA season has been interesting. But, again, we're, we're kind of still pretty early. So we'll see what happens throughout the rest of the season. Um, Trade deadline is going to be huge. Y- yes, exactly. Huge. But also, we, we, know, we know we haven't talked about the Lakers yet. And, you know, I, I feel like say, yeah. one of the things, you know, I, 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 one of the greatest things I feel like, again, I don't, I don't want to act like I'm great, but, like, one of the greatest things I said on the show was when Russell Westbrook went to the Rockets, I said that team is going to be a beautiful mess. You know, and they were. So we're kind of seeing that now yeah, <laughs> with, with yeah. the Lakers. Uh, and, you know, I do think by, by the end, the Lakers will, will find their rhythm. We'll find their groove. We'll see. Um, the problem the problem the Lakers have is is they might find rhythm, but I just don't know if they'll have enough time. Because last year they were in the position of they thought that they could just wait around for the playoffs and be in a decent spot and make a run. Last year they were in the play-in games where every game was survival mode for them. They're in the same situation. My, my theory on the Lakers is they have not addressed this in the locker room, but they're just a bunch of guys that are old, and they just want to play together, and they want to be in L.A., it's and true, they do right? not have the drive and the hunger. It's what I said earlier about Tom Brady and the Bucks. They cannot match the intensity of all these younger teams that just want it more. They want what LeBron has. They want what AD has. They, they want to be champions, and I just don't think that this team – has the motivation Carmelo they've just done so much in the league and they've done so many things that at this stage in their careers 
They just don't want it as bad. The guy playing the hardest on the Lakers is obviously Russ, but that's just because that's who he is. I well, just don't I see. Say, where is LeBron on the top fifty scoring list? I don't Has see he the even top hurt? fifty. He's he's been off and on. He's been hurt. We're finally seeing LeBron being human, and age is cut up to him. Father time undefeated. I just don't think this Lakers squad has has enough time to make a run because by the time they tighten the screws, it might be too late. Because like I said last year, they were in the playing games. They were in survival mode. They got rewarded by playing Phoenix in the first round, who went to the finals. I just don't think L.A. can can put it together in time. We're going to have to see what the trade deadline does because we all know LeBron always – his teams – the starting team of the season is never the team you're going to see, you know? So I, I just think the Lakers, they just want to play together. They're just having fun. They're in L.A. They're a bunch of old guys, and I, I would like to see them do well, but it's not going to happen. They're not going to make the Western Conference Finals. They might not even make the semis. I think they need to get more out of Anthony Davis from this team yeah. for them to actually be a contender. I think um, – He's he shoots so many turnaround jumpers. It's aggravating because you're six eleven, two forty, and you are the tallest dude on the court. Please stop shooting jumpers, like for once. Like please just do a drop step, hook shot. I know you got that in the bag, but I will I will say I think the I think the Lakers will be fine. Um, they'll they'll figure it out eventually. Um, I don't think they're going to be a championship contender. Which is really weird to so say. What is figure, tell me what figure it out means. What does that mean, figure it out? Right now, they're the sixth seed. I think they'll probably be top four, a top four seed in the West by the end of the season. Um, I, I don't think the Clippers are going to continue at this pace, and they're only one game behind the Clippers. I don't think the Grizzlies are going to keep up this pace, so they could get into the top four. And none of those teams behind them, except for like the, the Nuggets. That's, that's the team that could make a run. Unless the Nuggets make a run, I think the Lakers will be a top four seed. We'll see. We'll see. All right, guys. So uh, we have talked about a bunch of sports here today. The last thing I wanted to talk about before I got off the show uh, was baseball. Just for a second, I like to give the baseball updates right at the end. So the lockout just started, um, and we're having these debates between the players and the owners. Of course, relationship's not good. Um, and from what I saw, and the funniest thing that's happened so far is, basically the whole thing is financial. Players want more money. The owners want a way to allocate the money the best way possible, so they're good. Um, here's the thing. I look at the players. You look at Max Scherzer. He's over here. He just gets $43 million per year with the Mets, and the players are locking out for some reason. Not a good look. And, and, and what they're locking out over is, and I understand their thing. What it is is when players come up to the major leagues, you have six years of control. The team has control over your contract, everything like that. The players don't like that because some teams say, well, we're, we're going to wait till you're 25. Six years go by, you're 31. You hit free agency in your 30s, and these players are like, well, I don't get to make the money that I would have made if I hit at 27 years old. I understand that, but these guys still make bank at 30. I hope they figure it out, but if we're really battling over this stuff, it, it should be very simple. You do the universal DH, you expand the playoffs, you do a salary floor so that when you have the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Miami Marlins, the Baltimore Orioles, who – not only do they not spend money, but the entire point of the luxury tax was teams that spend too much money give the teams that don't have the money money. And with the intention of, hey, spend it on players, the Orioles owner, the Marlins owner, the Pirates owner, the, not, well, maybe not the Marlins owner now, Loria before, they take the money and they don't spend it on assets. Baseball needs to implement a floor because when you have Max Scherzer signing for 43 a year, and then I think I saw the number, the Pirates – 
their payroll, I think, is either the same amount or the, a little bit less than one player on the Mets. There needs to be a floor. It's just not fair to do that, do the universal DH, uh, get rid of the three batter rule. Uh, it just takes away from the strategy of the game um, and expanded playoffs. So I think it's time. I wouldn't necessarily go to 14. I have this whole thing that when you go beyond half the league or if it's at 50%, it's not as valuable as of a playoff clinch. I like it to be a little bit under that. So it's like, oh, we won something. We accomplished something. It's not 50-50. Um, so I hope this stuff gets solved out. But that's a little bit from everything about, uh, out about baseball. Of course, hope my Yankees do something. Um, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Uh, that's all I'll say. I mean, all three years I got progressively more under the way of the Yankees. Okay, guys, the Yankees are the best team ever. Yep. They win the World Series. You guys knew I was here. Then the next year it was like, damn, if they do this again, man, I don't know <laughs> what I'm going to be like. And then they did it again and they lost. And now I'm sitting there like, they are the Dallas Cowboys in terms of choking. They have this big brand. They go in, big money, and then they lose. They got to rebound. They got to do stuff. We'll see what they do. Uh, yeah, Zach. Just, just the one thing I want to say though. I, I never, because again, I'm, I'm a fan of two baseball teams that don't have the luxury of having this big spending like right. LA, like New York does. Um, so I, n- I never really understood why that was. Obviously, there a lot goes into it. I wish they kind of resolved some of these things because again, we love baseball. We, 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 we want this lockout to be ending. Lockout or not. The Mets are still going to suck. And I think that's the one bright side we can get. Braun and Scherzer, you think? Yes. Wow. Yes, because who's – I mean, again, do we trust the batter still? I feel like, again, it's like Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom, they have great ERAs, great strikeouts. Their record will be like, you know, 11 and 13, you know, and it's just how it's going to be. They're not going to have any run support. Um, But whatever. Um, I love the Mets because, you know, they suck. So that, that's it. That's all I got to say. But again, with, with baseball, with this whole lockout thing, it's really interesting to kind of see on social media their profile pictures being changed to kind of like the blank sort of like face. So weird. Um, and so weird. you see how the players are kind of staying by each other. It's interesting to see. Uh, so I, I will, we'll see how this plays out. It should be a, a while from now because it seems like talks are still going on. But yeah, it uh, feels like it's going to be one of those two-month things. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's, like it's pretty interesting. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, we have gone 33 minutes past the show time today. There's no one here at FAU. No one's it's here. Let's just stay here all day. Exactly. I'm, taking I'm down studio. to talk all It's like day. a job. Right. Yeah, no. Hey, what I wanted to do before we left, though, I want you guys to tell everyone what you're doing. I mean, we started here four years ago. We were all hoping to do things one day, and now we're doing stuff. So, Sawyer, start with you. What are you doing next semester? Uh, well, uh, I'm actually no longer a student here at FAU. Well, yeah. Uh, I am planning to go to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, which is in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. And uh, take my take my talents there in March and see what happens. Uh, I'm excited because of the opportunity to feel more like an internship rather than school. Yeah. Which I love FAU, but I'm trying to escape taking classes that don't actually contribute to what I want to do okay. and getting bored of those classes. So um, this school provided me with the opportunities I need to stay engaged, stay motivated. Um, meet people that I need to meet, do multiple internships and multiple jobs that put me in the field where I want to be, and really groom me to be the person that I want to be. So I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I've been chilling. And, uh, and yeah, there it is. Good stuff, Sawyer. Good stuff. Um, so if you want to find me, um, I currently go to Northwestern getting my graduate degree in sports journalism. Uh, I'm pretty much <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Um, you can find me at Football Outsiders, um, Sports Illustrated Northwestern, Wildcats Daily, Big Cat Country for SB Nation, 
if you really, really like me, you can find me on the live streams. Follow me on Twitter at Acosta33 underscore JC. I guess I'm pretty funny on there, but I'm pretty much, I guess, vibing right now. We're, we're figuring out what we're going to do, but we're, we'll see how it goes. And uh, you're going to the Super Bowl again very soon. <laughs> yes, I am. I'll be uh, I'll be in the press box for the Super Bowl for uh, whoever. For Bengals yeah. Chiefs. That's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy because that both those teams are in the AFC. Oh wait, so my bad. <laughs> See, this I is mean, how I'm little I know. Bengals. There it is. There it is. Bengals. Okay, there we go. I would enjoy that. But yeah, I'll be in the press box. I'll be freelance working in February. So if you want to find my work anywhere, just follow follow me on Twitter. See where I'm going. See what I'm talking about. See what I'm doing. Well, for me, you know, uh, me and JP, uh, during our times at, you know, here at FAU, we worked at the UP, obviously, editor-in-chief, managing editor, you know, we, we, were, we were the dynamic duo there, the best, the best duo there, uh, for sure. So, after that, you know, uh, kind of, you know, the whole thing with COVID happened, I was doing that, and then, uh, currently, I'm the FAU uh, football beat writer for Lemon City Live. I've been kind of taking a little bit of a break of the finals, I'm supposed to do two more finals this week, after that, we're back to go. Um, but just doing stories there, man, and, uh, you know, possibly doing some dolphin stuff in the future, so keep on the lookout for that, maybe. Uh, and just, again, trying to get those last internships before I graduate. Uh, and, and that's kind of it. Again, look out for a feature story of Matt Habel, the best FAU player of all time, punter. Uh, that should be good. Uh, but again, just good, just good stuff from all of us. You know, again, like I said in the beginning of the show, it's like, this is like the class of people. Yeah. Kind of trying to get into sports media from FAU. I, w- I would argue to say that we are the we're the best. I don't I don't want to hear any arguments. Don't at me on Twitter. I don't I, I don't care. Um, don't at me. I was like, hey, he's part of it. So go ahead and add me. Uh, no, but seriously, I mean, it's it's awesome to be on the shows. We're so many sh- memories made here. You know, wh- whether it be producing games, calling games, doing the shows. JP saying that the Pistons would be better than the Heat. Um, <laughs> you know, what at one year. Um, Lord, I had to bring it up one last time, you know. So, hey, uh, I, I said that the 49ers wouldn't make the, uh, wouldn't be in the wild card game, and then they went to the Super Bowl. So th- that's you know, yeah. they didn't go to the wild card game, so I was right. But whatever. Um, but again, awesome to be around here. Sad to see you go. You're graduating, but hopefully, you know, again, you have Spider-Man to look forward to. So yeah, that'll, good. that'll be awesome this weekend. But uh, no, I mean, hey, uh, as far as I go, uh, I just finished up internship at SiriusXM. Uh, that was a lot of fun, and now I'm moving on to my first gig all the way in May. For the next five months, I'll be sitting at home doing nothing, door dashing, hanging out with friends, stuff like that. I'm going to come back to FAU to call the uh, FAU Michigan Baseball Series, so I want to do something with FAU uh, while I can. I'll see you guys when I come back here. But uh, after that, I got my first gig. I'm going to do play-by-play announcing for the Forest City, ironically, Owls. Uh, wow. So also the Owls. Uh, it's a baseball team up in North Carolina. Two and a half month gig. Uh, it's basically what a bunch of college players go play amateur baseball because there's no season in the summer. Uh, so it should be fun. I'll be roading with the team. Lots of bus rides, which I've heard are not fun, but I guess we'll live the experience. It'll be fun. It's a quick two and a half months. Looking forward to it. And uh, it's just amazing, man. We all got to go to the Super Bowl together. We got to do FAU football games in the press box, baseball, basketball, writing articles, just uh, interviewing players. Saquon Barkley brushed my shoulder, and I didn't even know. <laughs> At the Super Bowl. <laughs> I forget which one he told you. Saquon just walked by. I was like, what? I'm <laughs> never taking this shirt off. But uh, that was so much fun, man. And uh, I guess this is it. So uh, I'm not dying either. I'm g- doing these podcasts still. Just won't be in this room. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at Strictly Sports P. Uh, I'm getting back into the baseball pod with Steve Cashin uh, relatively soon. He's working, too. He's working with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. 
he's got a crazy schedule, so we'll see what's going on with that. Uh, but I want to get back into those soon because final semester has been crazy. But I'm going to start doing weekly podcasts once again on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Follow me on Twitter at Strictly Sports P, Facebook and Instagram at Strictly Sports Productions. And damn, all right, that is it for Strictly Sports. Thank you guys for uh, being here with me. I am Jacob Brown, and uh, we'll see you never. All right, that's it. <laughs> 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 all right, Jesus.